You're about to enter the most electrifying NFL talk show you have ever experienced. From up-to-the-minute news and notes to... Uh, who am I kidding? It's a wrap. Let's try this again. It's the After Further Review Podcast with Connor Forrest. Want to get involved? Send us an email to mailbag at connorforrest.com. For your questions to be read on air. The shrimp and gouda grits yes. on brunch, I believe it was more more lunch. It was a little later in the afternoon uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, and it turned out fantastic. Uh, for the game, we catered Chick Fil A. We had nuggets, macaroni and cheese, yes. and strips. Uh, with some Chick Fil A sauce. I think we also had a salad as well, but I, you know, I stay away from that crap. Um, Got to stay away from the rabbit. Man, it, it was exactly. It was fantastic. What did you? How did your food turn out? What did you guys have? Well, it's interesting in regard in regards to the rabbit food. First, I, I was in uh, Wegman's. Uh, I guess it was last week, and I overheard this guy walking past. I, it was with his, his girlfriend, his wife, whatever it was. They were clearly together, and he looks at her and says, "Oh, we need to go back. I forgot the the veggie tray for the Super Bowl." <laughs> and literally, I, I, I don't know the guy. I was walking past him. I stopped. I turned around. I went, dude, that uh, that is un- the unbelievable discipline you have. Like the ability of self-control that you have that I will never have. And he starts laughing. And it was a great moment. And then they walked away. And then I just kind of thought about it. And I was like, wait, I'm actually dead serious. I just could never eat vegetables at the Super Bowl. It's, <laughs> I, I just couldn't do it. That sounds ace, Sean. Like It was good. That whole situation sounds ace. We did a, a, a bit that we've been doing for a couple of years where we go to Domino's and I think we order everything on the menu. Like we get like six pizzas. We do the, all the desserts. We do their dips. We, do, we just do a whole bunch of malarkey. And I brought over uh, some buffalo chicken dip and we had a whole mm. bunch of, of ciders. I, I think I brought over uh, mini corn dogs as well. I mean, it's just just great, Sean. I mean, there there is there is nothing on a Super Bowl menu. That should instigate anything other than happiness. I, I just I can't tell you how happy it makes me. I mean that that is a remarkable lineup. So the shrimp and grits did work out though, did they? It worked out, worked out very very well, and oh, I will so keep that recipe in mind because that so is good. a fantastic brunch winner. Uh, that and some mimosas can't go wrong, man. Can't go wrong. Such a good move, Shawnee. Such a good move. I'm so glad it was a good Super Bowl for you. Welcome in, everybody. After further review, returns to review the final football game of the 2021, now 2022 season. It is, uh, it's a sad podcast for me because I, I'm reminded that, that football Sundays are over and we have to go back to doing wineries and doing all that nonsense, going on hikes on Sundays, which are just not fun at all. Uh, but I think it's a good time to look back and reflect on the year. 
that's kind of what our offseason always turns into. And I always try to remind people that football really and truly is a 12 months out of the year sport. It's, it's one of those unique sports. It beats out baseball. I mean, it beats out all of them. I could go through the baseball, it beats out hockey, it beats out any sort of soccer going on. It beats out basketball, all of it. Because football has this unbelievable ability of making everything a show. And everything is at the top of the newsreel. And I, I think that kind of mid to late June is the only time in the football calendar that everyone kind of quiets down for a couple weeks. But we go right into draft talk. We go right into, you know, the uh, we go right into pre-draft stuff. We go right into the combine. We go right into free agency. I mean, it, it really doesn't end. So all of that is ahead of us. So for all of you who, first of all, have jumped aboard the train throughout the year, we, we've gained followers as the months have gone on. I want to thank you guys for joining us for the year. And most importantly, stay on the train because it just it, it doesn't end. We go right into free agency period. We go right into the combine, right into the draft. Uh, we, we're going to keep you up to date on everything, and, and we'll go team by team. We'll, we'll break down uh, everybody's situation going into the offseason, and, and we'll be able to review everything in full. I do want to take this episode to just reflect on the Super Bowl, uh, and in the coming weeks, we'll get into everything else. You know, the Kyler Murray stuff, uh, Alvin Kamara getting arrested over the Pro Bowl, free agent quarterbacks, what is the future of uh, is, is Tom Brady coming back? There's just so many different things that we could talk about that we could go on for years, but we're not going to because I want to focus on the Super Bowl. I want to focus on that one game, and then we'll, we'll get to reflecting on everything. But for those of you who have been listening this entire year or have been with us from the start, thank you, really and truly thank you from the bottom of our hearts uh, for helping be a part of this journey. But today I thought, Shawnee, what we could do is do a quick review on the Super Bowl, just kind of touch up on a couple big things, a couple of our takeaways. And then we both uh, have uh, prepared a list of 10 takeaways. We each have 10. We'll go 10 through 1, and we'll go back and forth. This can be football-related. This can be commercial-related. This can be just takeaways in general, anything. Uh, and we're going to go through them. Uh, and I'll make sure I post on the Instagram uh, later on this evening other people's takeaways that they can post that, that we can share on our stories that everyone can see as well. But uh, I do want to start with the basics. Super Bowl 56 is in the books. Los Angeles, California, that's where it all started. That's where it all ended. And the home team, for the second time in a row, it didn't happen up to last year, and now two years in a row, a team wins the Super Bowl in their own home stadium, the Los Angeles Rams, beating the Cincinnati Bengals. 23 to 20 capping off uh, a year where the Rams went all in and it was the Cinderella story that just came up a little bit short for the Bengals. Uh, before we get into everything, I do want to just get Sean's takeaways. Um, Rams come out on top, Super Bowl champions. Uh, clearly the best team, I think, obviously I think the best team won this game and I do think the best team in the league ultimately won the Super Bowl, but give me some of your takeaways just kind of off the top of your head after watching this game, some things that you reflect on, and I'll give you mine in a minute, but I want to start with you, Sean. Yeah, that's actually going to lead me into my first point that I wrote down, if that's all right, if I can jump right sure. into that. Is that fine? All right. And that is that this is the first Super Bowl I ever remember that had so many storylines develop within it. We have yeah. Odell Beckham Jr., in what appeared to be an ACL tear. I don't know if there's anything official yet, but it had all the classic so. symptoms of an ACL tear. 
We have Matt Stafford get hurt. Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford get hurt. Uh, Not sure who Matt Stafford is. Might (laughs) might be a ball guy. Might might work at the Chick-fil-A you you picked up from. (laughs) Yeah. So both the quarterbacks get hurt for each team. You have a horrible missed call by the refs. A horrible no call on what should have been a holding that ended up being a Bengals touchdown to open the second quarter. Uh and all through all those storylines, you're like, oh, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., is he coming back? No, now he's in a sweatshirt on the sideline. He's not coming back. Matthew Stafford, is he going to be able to continue with his leg? Joe Burrow, I mean, that looked like that could have turned into a Joe Theismann situation uh, if the guy landed a little bit in a weirder position. I mean, it looked like it would be really ugly. How's he going to, you know, come in, in the closing minutes of the game? How, how is he going to look? And then how is that missed call going to affect the game? And, and what are the Rams – uh, if they end up losing it, what is that going to be the big story of the game? Is that missed call and how it shouldn't have been um, a touchdown because it should have been a face mask or a holding, whatever you want to call it. Um, and and, and it, so it was, it was those four storylines. You also had the Bengals defensive line looking insanely good. You had Aaron Donald being shut down in the first half. Um, you had Eli Apple choking. I mean, you had so many storylines throughout the game i've never seen anything like it there's always storylines going into the super bowl but they never from what i can recall i've never seen a super bowl where so many storylines developed in a single game yeah no it, it it is a really good point it is funny how i think the obvious storyline stuck out right how how much leading up to this we talked about how big of a deal Cooper Cup would be he ends up being a Super Bowl MVP I mean a complete game changer like he's always been I mean he he's the best receiver in football right now it's what mm-hmm. he is I mean and we can Jamar Chase is remarkable uh obviously Stefan Diggs you go Justin Jefferson I mean you just go around the league to all these remarkable Devontae Adams I mean, you can go on and on Cooper Cup's the best receiver in football right now and it's funny how it only kind of took up to the last few weeks before people started actually saying that and not getting mocked online, but it's what it is. He's unstoppable. He, he's completely and utterly unstoppable. And everyone knew what kind of impact he was going to have on the game, and he still couldn't be stopped. Um, I think one of the one of the crazy things about this game that, that I immediately really stuck with me from the start was how big of an impact Odell Beckham had. I mean, how big of an impact Odell Beckham has had on this team since since joining halfway through the year. His injury made a difference in this game. Like, Matt Stafford was 10 of 12 for 140 yards, two touchdowns with Odell Beckham on the field. Um, Odell Beckham had uh, had the first touchdown. He was 16 of 28, 143 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions without him. And you can immediately see that offense just taking a step back the second he left the field. And they didn't really have much depth behind him. Uh, they, they really didn't. It was the first pass for Matt Stafford in the second half. That was intercepted off of a, off of a drop, is what it was, um, and that's when the Bengals you felt like, oh man, they're about to put their cleats right on the Rams' throat, and they just they just stuck with it. Um, they stuck along with it. I was remarkably impressed with with how well the Bengals' defense performed in this game. I, I felt like they really stood up uh, in in a way that I I, I wasn't really a hundred percent sure they were capable of. Because in the beginning, it felt like the Rams were going to start walking away with this game, and they just found a way to, to give the Bengals' offense some opportunities. And and for the most part, they took them. Um, but a really, really fun Super Bowl. I, I thought, to be honest with you, Sean, I thought the Rams could have won in a blowout. I thought the Rams could have won in a close manner, which they did. 
I thought the Bengals had a really good chance of winning in a close manner, but I, I never felt like there was an opportunity for the Bengals to blow out the Rams. And well, I thought that if there was an opportunity for this game to go one way or other, I, I thought the Rams would blow out the Bengals than the other way around, and that just wasn't the case. You, you got to remember that right after we had that controversial touchdown to open the second quarter, I think it was either the next play or the play after the next play. Matthew Stafford threw a touchdown, and the Bengals could only get, I believe, a field goal out of it. Yeah, only a field goal out of it. Yeah, he, he threw an interception that is what you mean. Yeah. You, you, well, yeah, Matt, that, but – Yeah, but you say I'm Matt Stafford threw an interception. Yeah, Matt Stafford. Uh, you know the you know what interception I'm talking about? The one uh, tipped off. I forget the tipped was, ball. Yeah, you said you said touchdown. I was just trying to confirm. I'm what sorry. You were saying. I'm sorry. I meant interception. Yeah, interception. Um, yes, hundred percent. No, the point I was trying to make was that could have very easily been a Bengals exactly. touchdown. And I think if it was, they would have been up. I think is it ten? No, ten or thirteen. Sorry, I can't do the math right now. No, I I, um, I believe they would have been up ten. Ten. Yeah, but instead they only get three, and they're only up six. Yep. So you know that 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 was a uh, that was a big moment them being held. It's what the Super Bowl is, though, Sean. I mean, and it's what the playoffs are. I mean, for the most part, look look at the Packers. I mean, arguably, I mean, they're right up there with the Rams as the best team in the NFC. They were seating wise the best team in the NFC, and and it was their special teams that literally is the reason that they went home after a single game. Football and and in the playoffs and especially in the Super Bowl. It is an, I mean, it is a game of inches that is very hard to measure until you are able to look back at it and go, oh my gosh, think about how many different ways this game could have gone. Uh, and it, it ended up going the way of the Rams. But I want to pivot into our, our top 10 Super Bowl takeaways um, because, you know, I could get into the nitty gritty and review the game, but everyone on the planet watched this game and um i think the big stuff is what we want to touch on and, and reflect on and talk about um sean i think you got to your number one so i'll go ahead and uh or, or you got to the first one on your list um i don't know what order we're going 10 to 1 1 to 10 i don't really care but i'll give you one of mine and then we'll just start going back and forth from here um i'm gonna go number 10 on my list of takeaways was that the Bengals' offensive line was as bad as we thought it was going to be um, it, it was as bad as we thought it was going to be. Now, Aaron Donald is is otherworldly, and we'll, we'll get to him down the line. But but from the start, Joe Burrow was running for his life, and I think that that is obviously going to be the Bengals, you know, number one thing this offseason is now shoring up that offensive line. It, it was a debate we had last year in the draft: was it going to be Penny Sewell? Who were they going to go get in free agency to try to shore up an offensive line? You had Joe Burrow coming back from a torn ACL. And how, how was that going to look? Uh, he was just running for his life. I mean, he was taking shot after shot. He had a really scary-looking injury that you felt like could have been much, much worse. Uh, but the offensive mm-hmm. line was terrible, and, and it limited them uh, in, in so many ways where offensively I thought they did enough. But if that offensive line – I'm confident enough in saying is if that offensive line performed better or they were able to, to give Joe Burr a little bit more time – I think the Bengals win this game. I just I think it actually came down to that Bengals offensive line because offensively they were they were doing just enough. Um, but for the most part, uh, when push came to shove, it, you know when you need to get 15 yards to get in the field goal range, or or you know if you were able to make a defensive stop and keep your timeouts and try to play for a touchdown at the end of the game, if that offensive line holds up, I, I think it's a different outcome. Or, or at a minimum, maybe it's the same outcome, but at least we get an overtime. And that just wasn't the case. I thought that one of the bigger takeaways in this one was exactly what we worried about with the Bengals, and I thought it was what what was the unfurling of their flag, and I think it was the fact their offensive line struggled the way they did. 
And actually, to that point, Connor, I don't know if you've seen this viral picture or, or video. Um, I saw it on TikTok. It looked to be legit, but on that last fourth and one, it looks like Jalen Ramsey actually slipped, and Jamar Chase was wide open yeah. for what would have been a game-winning touchdown. Just a walk. If Joe Burrow had more time. Yep. Which he didn't. Yep. Yeah, and that's yep. that's Aside, yeah. No. I don't know if he's on your list, but that's another thing. It was Jalen Ramsey struggles, but uh, I want to get to the next one on your list. Um, and if, if Jalen Ramsey's not on your list, we'll we'll touch on it later. But uh, go ahead and give me your next one. Yeah, the next one for me is going to be Aaron Donald and what happens to his retirement. Uh, mm-hmm. Very similar storyline to Tom Brady, where you start getting these rumors getting close to the game that he may be retiring. Um, kind of, at least for me, Connor, kind of came out of the blue. Um, so, you know, what what happens with that? Is, is he going to be back next year? Does he call it quits? I mean, he has all the credentials, and now he's got a Super Bowl ring. He, uh, you know, he actually reminds me a lot of Alex Ovechkin um, of the Capitals because you have a player who's a veteran who has all these awards, everything you need to be one of the greatest. The only thing he doesn't have is a championship. Yeah. And we saw, I think, what are we coming up on now? Four years now, or three and a half, four years ago, Ovechkin was able yep. to get his first Stanley Cup, and now Aaron Donald, you know, through through all that he's been through, and through the ups and downs, and through being on a good Rams team and a bad Rams team, he finally gets his championship to really seal his legacy. Because you know, if you don't like it, it is what it is. People look at you differently if you don't have a championship. Whether yeah. or not you like it. It, 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 it's true. Alex Ovechkin yeah. would not be looked at the same as a hockey player if he didn't get that Stanley Cup. Aaron Donald would not be looked at the same if he did not get the Super Bowl ring. So I'm very happy for him. We'll see what happens. He'll only, I believe, he's only 30 now, so he'll be 31 next season, which is, you know, it's it's getting up there in veteran age, especially for someone um, who's as physical as he is. So that that's going to be interesting to follow. Um, but I, I'm just happy that he really turned on the Jets in that second half and ultimately made the game-winning play. Yeah, it is funny, uh, Sean, how that works out. How Aaron Donald, I feel like he's been on the forefront of being the best player in football for a couple of years now. And I think this, this year in the last two years, he's really, um, I, I mean, even the year that he played uh, when, when the, when the Rams and Patriots made it to the Super Bowl, I think he's been that best player in football in the conversation. I think he clearly is, is you know, he's grabbed the cake and run with it in the last few years, but I think people forget that he's been in the league since 2014. I mean, he is 30, right? So, you know, in an age discussion, it's not, it's not terribly shocking when you look at it that way, but I think it kind of came at an odd time, right? I felt like it was weird timing to hear Aaron Donald might be retiring, and you know that those rumors and reports aren't aren't coming out of nowhere. I, I do agree. I, I, I think if there is a time and there is a justification, I think winning a Super Bowl and having that, you know, reaching the peak of the mountain, it would make sense. But you, gosh, you do feel like the way that they, you know, even during the parade and watching them sing, you know, chant, run it back and, and seeing how happy they are. Like there is a euphoria that comes with, you know, climbing the mountain, the, the, the top in, in the sport, uh, in the world, the peak of competition um, and winning the Super Bowl. There's something about, God, I want to do that again. I got to do that again. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these players do. And I think a lot of these teams, like how many times do we see championship teams get held on to way too long? The Eagles did this in you know 20 was it 2017 when they won the Super Bowl uh, where they just held on to an aging roster uh, because they all were just euphoric to want to run it back again um, and I think they missed a, a lot of opportunities to make proper changes but 
it'll be interesting to see. That's going to be a storyline to follow for sure. Um, Aaron Donald will will keep you up to date on that as it goes. Um, my second takeaway here, uh, number nine on the list. Uh, Sean, correct me if you didn't find this. Um, the Rams jerseys are way too blue. The the color <laughs> on the screen. I I don't know if this was just my screen. I've noticed this a couple different times, and I've watched games on 10 or 15 different screens over the course of this season, and the Rams' cobalt blue is just so overwhelmingly, oh my goodness. Like, watching it on the screen, seeing on the sideline with their, you know, the coaches' shirts, the training staff shirts, the light, like the the very intense blue color, way too blue. And, and I know a lot <laughs> of these, like NBC, I think they've got great cameras. I think they do incredible camera work I, I i'd put their cameras up there at the top of, of any of the broadcast crews you use a lot of saturation in their cameras so a lot of colors especially when you're, you're talking turf like when, you, when you're you're dealing with artificial turf the colors really pop out even even brighter than on grass um because the, the colors are are as as true color as you're going to get but i just found her in the game and you can tell me if you felt this way the color blue was just popping out at me and i was like oh my god did you find that at all no but i did notice something weird with the cameras Hmm. i don't know if it was my tv but they were using a very very high definition something and it like it it didn't freeze like it was weird i don't know if you noticed it's hard to describe it was kind of like freezing but also like jumping ahead i don't know if you noticed Hmm. that did you I, I didn't have that issue. I just, I it might have been the screen I was watching it on. I, I, I can tell you okay. that I have experienced this myself on different screens. Like, different, like, I've watched it on, and it's not even streaming. So, like, I have Fios. Um, my, my parents have Comcast. My in-laws have Cox. Like, it, it, they're all a bunch of different, like, and it seems to be that that blue color is just way too much. Like, it's just way <laughs> too much in the eyes, for the love of God. Especially since yeah, I'm still used to... <laughs> Growing up on the Rams, that navy blue and the really kind mm-hmm. of faint gold, and now it's yellow and just a cobalt bright blue, like a Lowe's blue on steroids, and it's like, what is going on with my face? It hurts so much. That was one thing that drove yeah. me crazy throughout the game. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good one. I, I think I'm going to transition to a non-necessarily game one, and that is Al Michaels. Is he off to Amazon Prime? Mm. Was that there's a chance it's his last Super Bowl um, because I believe if I'm not mistaken, Amazon prime is actually getting the a hundred percent deal or whatever the contract, whatever they call it for the Thursday night football games. Um, meaning that there's no more of this sharing it with Fox or CBS or NFL network. Yep. It's a hundred percent Amazon prime. So they're looking for their own broadcast crews. There was some chatter at the beginning of the season. Um, I go on awfulannouncing.com, which is like a, it's like a sports media website. I don't know if you ever checked it out. Oh yeah. Um, but they kind of had stories throughout the year, like Al Michaels planning to go to Amazon prime. And he opened the game with uh, one final time. I'm going to welcome in Chris Collinsworth and Collinsworth did a stupid little slide over. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm curious what happens to Al Michaels. Cause in my opinion, I would hate to not see him on Sunday night football. I know Mike Tirico yep. is fantastic. If, uh, Collinsworth sticks around, I, he's good enough. Um, maybe Drew Brees goes up there. Who knows? Um, but ah, it's just, it's going to be so different if Al Michaels isn't doing Sunday night football, but of course then Thursday night football will be really good. Cause in my opinion, I think Al Michaels is the best play by play announcer yeah. in all of sports and I- still is and has been for a very, very long time. He's the best. I mean, he's one of those guys, too, that 
once you hear his voice, you, you just know it's meaningful. And, and there's something mm-hmm. to that where, you know, a lot of people are, you know, he's getting older and he's losing his fastball, blah, 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 blah. It, it doesn't matter. When, when you've gotten to the point in your profession where when people hear you speak or know you're there and they associate it with something meaningful, you've done your mm-hmm. job right. You, you've done your job right. And that's what he is. I mean, you hear his voice and you just know – If you were to close your eyes, sit down on a couch, and someone were to play an NBC intro and you hear Al Michaels announce whatever city they're in, you don't even need to open your eyes to know, hey, this is probably a divisional game. This probably has Mm -hmm. playoff implications. This is a playoff game. This is a a rivalry. This is a great game. That's just the weight he carries. I don't think he goes to Amazon. John, I don't think he does. I don't. I don't think so. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of the contract world in in terms of that. I don't know his – specific situation um i think for him to go to amazon uh i don't think he's going to want to get paired up with anybody else he, he's done it with collinsworth now since collinsworth slid in right after madden left uh, and i think that they're a great pair uh, and i don't think that he leaves without him and and i to be honest with you i don't know how many years uh if he has another couple in him he has left he's and only I, He's only 75. I looked it up today, which is old, but it's still, I think, um, oh, what's his name? Doc Emmerich Shoot. is what you're thinking of? Probably. No, no, not, not Doc Emmerich. Um, he announced up until last year. He, uh, uh, he was a Fox guy, Dick something. Oh, you're, you're, um, you're thinking of, oh my gosh. Um, Dick Stockton. Dick, Dick Stockton. Stockton. That's it. He did it up until I think 81, maybe. I got to check his age. Uh, let me let me check. He he did it up, and he was still fantastic. And, I think he's uh, he, 79. He is what, what what I think he's 79. Is what Dick Stockton was is. He really? Yeah. I, and I I You're agree right. with you. I do agree with you. I I will say that I will say that Dick Stockton towards the end of it though was just the the poor guy was just he really really and, and truly was was having trouble. Like he, he was genuinely having trouble with with. with Calling games and remembering things and, and remembering players' mm-hmm. names and, and reading a teleprompter. He just couldn't do it anymore. Um, but, no, you're, you're right, and it's funny. I, I, I For some reason, a couple months ago, I, I had it in my head that, that Al Michaels was like 80 or something at this point. But, no, I mean, at 75, you know, he might have another year. He might have another two years in him. But, you know, how 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 long does he want to do it? That's really the question. Um, I, w- I would even go as far as saying five years. I Maybe. think he can make it to 80. Maybe. I really do. I hope he does. He's the best. Oh, yeah. I love him. I love him. I absolutely love him. <laughs> um, my eighth takeaway on the list, uh, commercials are awful, Sean. Like, the, the commercials are, aren't funny anymore. <laughs> like, they're not fun. Did no, you, co- commercials in general suck. <laughs> Go ahead. You had a question? Did you did you scan the code, the QR code? I, I Of course I did. Because I'm, I'm – I, I, of course <laughs> I did, right? And it's just – the commercials are – Commercials nowadays, and this could be uh, like when I say a book with chap, like with with like a three part series. I-, I could write a three part series on how awful commercials have gotten. Like commercials in general, and I don't know why. I mean, these are marketing teams that these big companies are paying millions and millions of dollars for, and and none of them are funny or interesting or, or cool. They're annoying. Like there is not a really and truly. I I, I think. Geico for a little bit um, had had a couple funny little gimmicks they had, but there's not a single insurance agency right now that's running ads that are funny. Geico, Progressive, this Jake from State Farm guy, Flo, Flo from Progressive, like they're all terrible. They're not funny. They're really, really irritating. Uh, and, and and again, th- this is these marketing companies 
are paid millions and millions of dollars to come up with these things. Um, Jamie from Progressive, they're just terrible. Like they're, they're awful. Commercials are also very lectury, and I do hate that. I, I don't know why we ventured into that category where I don't know where these companies think that making a, a commercial ridiculously um, emotional uh, or very lectury on on one thing or another, uh, it, it, like these social issues are being like barked at you on the screen and then you're like, wait, what's going on? Why am I looking at 30 seconds of me being lectured to by somebody? And then all of a sudden a Lexus like commercial, like it's a Lexus logo or like, oh, this is Charles Schwab. And you're like, what? What does it have to do with anything? Like, this is not entertaining. This is not fun. Like, this is not even, I don't even know what service you offer. Like, that drove me nuts. I, I hate lecturing commercials. I, I mute them. They're the worst. Um, they're, they're insufferable. Uh, we, we're in this day and age where we, we have to yell at each other and t- tell each other how to think, which is just the worst thing ever. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that all these companies have decided that that's the path they want to go down. Um, and the other thing that was annoying was that there were really only three types of commercials. And I, I don't know why there were gambling, electric cars, and cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. That, that was it. Like, what? Like, what's going on here? Like, I know Budweiser and Amazon had their ads, but like, I felt like every two ads, it was an electric car. Why? They're all, they all look terrible, by the way. Like, is it illegal to make an electric car that looks good? Like, that's why Teslas are, Teslas look good. But like, all these new electric cars that come out just look awful. I don't know why that is something that has to go hand in hand. An electric car and a terrible look. Like, I don't need gambling promos thrown in my face everywhere I go. It's Instagram, it's Twitter, it's Facebook, it's YouTube. I mean, it's everywhere you go now that sports gambling, which I'm glad is legal. I'm glad it's legal, and I made money on the Super Bowl because of it. I'm very glad of it existing, but I'm tired of the ads everywhere. It's like, oh, my God, stop. Like, I enough. I don't stop. Like, are you trying to make the generic gamblers of everybody? And then cryptocurrency. Still don't know what it is. Also, I need less people to lecture me on what cryptocurrency is. None of you know what it is. Stop. None of you do. I don't want to hear it anymore. Garbage commercials. They're usually garbage. I have not belly laughed at a commercial for probably five years. Like, I'm not even kidding. It's been probably five years. The only commercials I say right now that I actually think are are, are, are actually kind of funny. And funny enough, this is actually a uh, – uh, this is another insurance agency. It's the turning into your parents commercials. I think those are kind of funny. I think they've become a little bit played out, but I thought in the beginning those those were pretty funny. For the most part, commercials in general suck. And I again, this this Super Bowl was a perfect example of just more commercials being terrible. Yeah. Did you also notice that at least two or three of them were turning into like the roast of Elon Musk? Did I, you catch on to that? I I I I think I know what you're talking about. I think I picked the, up on a lot you know of this stuff. The Salesforce one. Yeah. The Salesforce one with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. It, at least three lines of it were just completely targeted at Elon Musk. Yeah, I'm like, what? Why does why does Salesforce hate Elon Musk? Yeah, it's hilarious. Is it because he's more popular than their CEO? Yeah, probably. I don't even know who their um, CEO is, so yeah, dude, that's exactly to your point. <laughs> their commercials, the commercials were terrible. I agree. They're, with they're you, awful. 100%. They're they're always terrible. Every year they're terrible, and every year people get re up like they get re upset by them, and I'm like, they're just awful. And commercials in general are terrible now. Like they're they're not funny or interesting, and it's like they they seem to think that Google does this all the time. Google does this more than anybody. Let's make a heart throbbing commercial, super emotional and deep, and it's like you're a search engine. 
Like, I don't mm-hmm. need you putting pictures of whatever nonsense and whatever we're in this together and a mom crying, hugging her crying kid. It's just like, what is – what is – it's just all ridiculousness, Sean. Yeah. Commercials look terrible. They are. They are. All right, let's talk about the game a little bit more. Let's do it. I am going to go with – I'm just going down my list here. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the inconsistent officiating. Oh, my which in gosh. my opinion – it didn't happen necessarily. I thought the officials were consistent in the game. There's some debate about when the Rams are at the goal line, if there was some holding. I think I think if you grab someone's jersey and you, you have a grip on it, I think it's holding. I think the yep. rules clearly say that. I'm fine with the calls down there. What I'm talking about is there is no doubt in my mind the NFL went up to the officials doing this game and say, hey, make sure you let the players play. Yep. And they did. And I like it. Yep, and I 100%. like football that's like that, where the players play. Why don't they do that every single game? Yeah. Why can't they do that every single regular season, preseason, playoff game? Why does it only have to be in the Super Bowl? I want every single game officiated like the Super Bowl is, where they let the players play. Connor, I was watching at least two or three plays. I looked at the line of scrimmage after the ball was snapped. Look at the line, rather. I saw at least three holdings, but they weren't called. Because they were were borderline holdings. But I sat there and I said... In the regular season, that would be a holding. Why is it not yeah. a holding here? Can we just can we have some consistency where the way we officiate in the Super Bowl is where the way we officiate every single dang time throughout the season, preseason, playoffs, whatever. Yeah. Like I said, it annoys me the inconsistency. Yeah, what do you think? yeah, no, and that actually leads me right into my seventh point was that the referees capped off a really bad year with a game that clearly encapsulated everything they struggled with. And exactly what you said is what I said before the game. Uh, I said that to my family. I said, there is no doubt in my mind that the NFL met with officials and said, swallow the whistle, dudes. Like, we've got hundreds of millions of people all over the world. I, if, if there's going to be something that is debated, it can't be about the officials because that's what the conversation has been all year. My frustration is, and this is a thing in the Super Bowl, it's always officiated differently because it's the Super Bowl. Like, no official in any capacity, not even the officials, who I, I think really do enjoy the attention, not even the officials want to get involved with being the center of attention at the Super Bowl. No one wants to do that. Like, the NFL doesn't want it. The officials don't want it. But what frustrates me is that all season long I've been watching holding calls called the way they were. Like, uh, the T. Higgins touchdown on the first play of the second half where he's grabbing a face mask and, and clearly twisting it, I, that was called all day during the regular season. Like, please call that and don't miss that. Like, it's not that difficult to not miss that. There were two holding penalties inside the five-yard line. One was called and one was not called, right? One was called against the Bengals. One was one was not called. And both of those calls ended up hurting the Bengals, right? The jersey was pulled and the call wasn't made. and It just, again, it's... I don't – I really do get frustrated with – I remember they brought the idea that you could challenge a pass interference into the league, and that was just another ad break, and it took forever, and it was so frustrating for everybody, so they got rid of that rule. I don't understand why there is not a middle ground between these two things, where if there is a play like that, there have to be some reviewable penalties. And when I say reviewable, I'm not talking about the ref getting under the hood and we go to a commercial break for 90 seconds and then we come back and it's more talk and more debate and I'm watching people huddled up. No, I'm talking about let's stop the game for 15 seconds and let's see New York and let's see what they see. Let's put it up on the screen. Let's have the refs make a a call. 
It doesn't have to take more than 30 seconds. But things like that are avoidable. They're avoidable. But when you yeah. when you put these things in the hands of officials and they're calling it inconsistency, like the, the inconsistency over the course of the year was frustrating. But, of course, when it mattered most, that's when it really sticks out to you. And that's what frustrated me a lot. Here's my issue with what you just proposed is that the teams that get the penalties called against them will be protesting every single penalty. And I, I that's the issue. But here's the thing, Sean. I, I'm not even, I, mean? I agree, but I'm not even asking for teams to be involved in this decision. I'm talking about the league. I'm talking about there are enough, like I as a fan watching that could have seen that. Are you telling me Yo, that yeah. four or five people up in New York watching that couldn't see that and say, hey, let's go ahead and let me, let me just ping the ref, tell him to stop. Let me take 15 seconds to look at this. Tell him what we're looking at. There's a side official with an iPad on the sideline who's watching the same thing who can say, hey, dude, we're actually going to make this call. And if you want to come over and look at the screen real quick and I can show you, sweet. You can see it yourself. If not, trust us and understand that you missed a bad call. So let's not have these be missed. Like – Maybe there's a better way of doing it, and maybe my idea sucks. I don't know. And maybe I hate my idea in six months' time. I don't know. But the the amount of missed calls over the course of the season, and especially in the Super Bowl when you're like, dude, they're killers. They really are killers. Um, some worked against the Bengals. Some worked in their favor. Some worked against the Rams and vice versa. I mean, all all these things. Like I, I'm, I'm not blaming the officials for the outcome of the game. The outcome is what it is. And it really takes the officials really – completely and utterly botching a game from start to finish for them to really have any sort of impact. I mean, there's there's only a few times in my life I can say, oh, God, an official had a real impact on the outcome of a game. But you can't have that. It's a bad optic for football. It's a bad optic for the league, and I, I, I do think that that's something they're going to want to figure out uh, in yeah. one way or another, Shawnee. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, there's always going to be the officiating discussion um, yeah. anytime there, there's controversial calls. All right, I am going to that, – that was one of your topics, correct? Yep, that was one of mine, so you go with yours. Okay, perfect. So I am going – I'm just looking at my list. I'm trying to think what do we let, – let's talk about Matt Stafford okay. for a minute, or Matthew Stafford, however he likes it. You know, I <laughs> I didn't really follow him that much throughout his career. I had no need to. He was in the different a different conference than the Patriots. He was irrelevant because he was on the Lions. There was just no need to, to follow him. Right. I really like him. I, yeah. I mean, here here's a guy – Correct me if I'm wrong. He comes in, drafted in 2009, plays for one of the most dismal franchises in all of professional sports for, ooh, math here, 12 years, okay? Yep. Was there ever a moment when he was in Detroit where he did what we see some players do after a year with a bad team and request a trade? Yeah, Not that I remember. Did he ever go on social media and say, I hate it here? Did he ever unfollow the Lions on social media? I don't think not that I can remember. No. Did he ever do what we're doing what what we're hearing any of these players nowadays that they're doing when they don't like the team that they're playing on? I do you recall any moment nope. that he ever did that? I don't. And so I, I'm really, really happy for him. I'm really happy he got his ring. He stuck it out, like I said, in one of the most dismal, awful franchises in professional sports, the Detroit Lions, for 12 years. I think he only went to the playoffs once, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was twice. Was it twice? I think okay. it was twice. Uh, I think he Regardless, went to the postseason. They, they... Actually, Chani, I think he might have gone to the postseason three times. Um, oh, well, still, out of 12 years... And then think of all the losing seasons, all the embarrassing losses he had sprinkled in there. Yeah. And never once did he complain or did he want out. He was sent out 
I would probably say against his will to a team where he had a chance to win the Super Bowl and he did. So I, I feel really great for Matthew Stafford. Um, let's, you know, he's getting up there in age. Let's see what the next, you know, this offseason brings. Uh, I, I know there's no conversation of him retiring, but, you know, he, he's reached that peak of the mountain. Um, you know, let's see what he does in the yeah. offseason in, in year or two to come. I mean, dude, you know, he, he, he has had his fair share of injuries. I mean, he's gotten hit around in football before. I mean, I, I don't have any doubt in my mind that I think he can he can do another five years um, taking care mm-hmm. of himself. But, no, you're right. I mean, he, he, he did make it to the postseason three times. But when you think about how dismal the Lions are, I mean, that that is a statement in and of itself. Um, but finally, finally, he gets some tools around him. And the first playoff win that he ever had was this past season. And, of course, in the playoffs he goes 4-0 um, and uh, hoists the Lombardi Trophy, uh, which and, is, you know, so impressive. Go ahead. And the other thing is he now has more game-winning playoff drives than Aaron Rodgers does since he won the Super Bowl back in 2010. Did you know that? <laughs> it's remarkable. Which is just insane to think about. Ridiculous. Just insane, ridiculous. insane to think what a good team – can do to a quarterback it so, is really happy for him it is amazing yeah so happy for matt stafford as well um so my seventh takeaway um the halftime show was good it was good i enjoyed it i i just i'm i'm over everyone saying that was the best halftime show of all time <laughs> like i i'm i am so over that like i was over it the second i saw it and what was frustrating was how many like blue check marks like how many verified like reporters and journalists like this is the best halftime show of all time and you're going what what am i missing like i'm i'm not a hater i'm not a a jerk i'm not a complainer i'm just telling you that michael jackson existed like i'm i'm just going to let you know that you two did a 9-11 tribute that was unbelievable like unbelievably powerful Prince in, in, I think it was 2005 or was it six or seven? I, I can't even remember. But either way, he did an entire set on a glass surface stage outside in Tampa Bay while it was pouring rain in stilettos. And he did an entire set. It's unbelievable. Like, absolutely unbelievable. The Rolling Stones existed. They, they had an unbelievable halftime show. Um, they, there might not be a bigger band on the planet. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Like, even as, as recently, I thought Bruno Mars put on an unbelievable show. I mean, my favorite band of Coldplay. I mean, Coldplay is my favorite band of all time, so I, I, I'll I say that, but I'm, I'll am i leave that there because people will murder me for that. I still don't care. But this, when people were saying this was the best halftime show of all time, I just, stop <laughs> embarrassing yourself. Like, really and truly stop embarrassing yourself. But I think it is more of a, I think it's more of a reflection on the fact that we do live in this era of, it's either the best thing of all time or the worst thing of all time. You can never nowadays say at all in any capacity, that was really good. Or I really enjoyed that. It has to be the goat or the, or it has to be fire or trash. Like that, that's what we say nowadays, which makes me want to jump off a bridge, but it's either unbelievable or garbage. It, it can't be in between. And it was really just like, I was like, what, what are we doing? I thought Snoop and Dre were great. I thought they were a ton of fun. I love how many people all of a sudden decided they grew up in the 90s. Like, people 
you know, younger than me, people way older than me, like people who all of a sudden became rap experts uh, on Twitter. Amazing. It's incredible that everyone on on Earth grew up listening to Dre and Snoop. That's amazing. I didn't realize that every one of us were 42 years old. The entire planet turned into 42-year-olds. Amazing. Congrats, everybody. Um, I didn't grow up in that era, so maybe it hits me a little bit different, right? Uh, I I thought Dre and Snoop were, were good. I thought Mary J. Blige was weird. I didn't like that. I didn't like her performance. I thought Eminem was awesome. I love Eminem. And 50 Cent was really fun. Um, Kendrick Lamar I like. I, I thought Eminem's song, I wish he did something different than Lose Yourself. I, I love Lose Yourself, but um, I thought he had an opportunity to do maybe a couple other songs. I, I, I wish he had a little bit of a bigger role. Um, 50 Cent Surprise was a lot of fun, but just it, it was fun. It was a fun Super Bowl. Like It was a fun halftime show. It was, it, I enjoyed it, but... The best of all time, like, give, give me a break. Like, really and truly, give me a break. What what, what did you think of the halftime show, Shawnee? I'm, I'm with you. I thought it was good. Um, here's the issue is, in my household, I was too young to be around when they were, like, yeah. the thing. Same. Um, my parents were too old. So, it, it, like you said, it's like the, you know, late 30s to early 40s that really enjoyed it. And those are the people that are on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. And like, oh, it's right. the best thing ever. Which, I honestly, those are like their college songs, like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and right, Major right, Blige. Right. And, you know, Eminem's a little bit more of our generation. Yeah, I think so. Um, but But still, I mean, so for them, it was like... Here I am. I'm miserable. I have kids. I have to go to work every day. And finally, I get to relive the glory days. So I, I, can, <laughs> I can understand, um, you know, why, why they would appreciate it. And that. I'm not but, trying yeah, to. It was good enough. Yeah. And I'm not. Look, I'm not going to sit here and just hammer people for. If you think it was the best of all time because you're a rap fan, that's one thing, right? Like, if you are a. If you grew up and you're a, a rap fan. Fantastic. I just saw a lot of people who were claiming it was the best of all time who I know don't care about rap, but were kind of just caught up in it, which is fine. Mm. But like we did this with Bruno Mars. I, I thought Bruno Mars is, is, is one of the most talented artists on the planet right now. I think he's unbelievable. Every single year, they go, Lady Gaga's was the best of all time. Katy Perry's the best of all time. How empowering, how cool, how this. And it's just like, dudes, w- like, can we just enjoy it for what it is? But like, I'm sure there's going to come something down the line. That's gonna beat what Michael Jackson did, uh, or how you know, how like just beat song by song. Maybe maybe not, but the Rolling Stones or Tom Petty or Bruce Springsteen was unbelievable. Like, but it's like I just I don't get it, Shawnee. I don't get I I I guess it's more of a reflection on I I can't stand the best of all time, worst of all time dichotomy that it is just black mm-hmm. and white nowadays, and it's just like yeah. it's not. It's totally fine, but gosh, to see how many people like one of one of my good friends, John, he's he's an he's a hip hop fanatic. He's like he's just a little bit older than us. Hip hop fanatic, he loved it. And he was all in on it. But I know how much that stuff means to him. When I, I know somebody doesn't listen to this and then they're claiming that they know all this stuff, it's like all right. Okay. I'm just gonna pass, I guess. But it was fun. Not a hater, not a complainer. Just acknowledging that the halftime show was good. It was good. And that's that, I think. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, it was good enough. Um, let's go ahead and move on to Odell Beckham Jr. Obviously suffered what looked like a torn ACL. I Again, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything official, Connor, is there? I think it is. Um, I think it is. is it and official? I think the, the worst part is, is that I, I think that's the same. I think that's the same uh, same knee he, he – he, uh, or the same ACL he tore – a couple of years ago, actually. I think it's the same one. Okay. 
Well, that actually brings me to the point is he's going to be 30 next year. He's been beat up. He's a free agent. Now he has his Super Bowl ring. What's the future for Odell Beckham Jr.? Personally, I think he continues to play. I think he's also in a position to where he could retire from the game. Um, that, that might be a little bit of a hot take. I don't know. I mean, receivers really don't get into their mid-30s and have that much success. So if he wants to go out on top, this is obviously his chance to. Got a touchdown in the Super Bowl um, before, he was, uh, before he was injured. Um, but yeah, I just I think he loses a lot of value. He's been a beat-up player. He's a good player, yeah. but you're not the same when you tear your ACL as a wide receiver. You're just not. Yep. There's too many cuts and moves as a receiver you have to make. And if you tear an ACL twice on the same leg uh, without even being hit, that was the other thing that happened with it. He wasn't even touched. He just it got planted in the ground. He twisted, and it, it went downhill from there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what his value is. I, I think if he really wants to go out on top, now's, now's his chance because I, I just don't see him getting top dollar next year. I, 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 there's no way he gets top dollar, but I mean, the other thing, Sean is he's, he's 29 years old. Like he's coming up on 30. Um, so you don't see receivers in football with, with, you know, without injury concerns, uh, you know, do, do much in their thirties anyway. So he's got mm-hmm. a lot stacked up against him, but I, I hope he does come back and I hope he does find himself, you know, it, whether he re-signs with the Rams or he finds another team eventually down the line he's not gonna be ready for training camp right he's not gonna be ready for the start of the season so I don't know maybe he does take take a season off to rehab and, and get himself up and get himself right again I mean we've seen guys like look at Adrian Peterson look what he did I mean he, he took an off season off and he went from team to team for a little bit but you know if if he can find a way to get himself back up to even 80 percent 90 percent of what he was I think there's value out there for him do I think there's value oh, yeah. out there in the long run no Dude, if you can get yourself one, you know, two-year deal worth, you know, ten mil, eight mil, you get four or four or five million dollars a year. Do it. <laughs> like, why not? Go do it. I hope he does. He, what a talent. I mean, obviously a diva, but unbelievable talent he is. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with number five on my list is Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I think they've shot the Bengals into a new stratosphere of relevance, and I I think they're gonna stay there for a while. Um, this is a duo. I think a quarterback wide receiver duo that is. You know, I think it's going to be top tier in the league for for quite some time. I mean, this is it's Stafford Cup. It's, um, you know, it's 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 Jamar Chase. It's you know, and uh, and Joe Burrow. It's Tyree Kill, and you know, Pat Mahomes. I mean, you just go through the the league around the league. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, and you know, it was Tom Brady, and it was Mike Evans or you know, Antonio Brown or Rob Gronkowski. I mean, these quarterback receiver duos that just elevate a team to a level of relevancy that it's amazing we've been saying the Bengals like two years ago the worst team in football um, and now perennial you feel you feel like contenders for a Super Bowl so there is something that I miscalculated I think a lot of us miscalculated last year was what kind of impact a young quarterback and a star receiver can make on not only an offense but a franchise and I think that Jamar Chase Joe Burrow duo is going to be something that we are going to be watching and loving for years and years to come. I think that's been on display this year, and I think we've got years and years ahead to, to watch and enjoy. Yeah, no doubt. And what an unbelievable catch. Uh, oh, my gosh. Chase had early in the unbelievable. game. Unbelievable. That, that was just insane. Nobody's talking about it, but just just an unbelievable, unbelievable catch. For, catch. I think someone who's 21. Is he 21? 22? 
I think he, I, I I have to look this up now. Jamar Chase. I think age. he's younger than us. Got Connor. Here we are doing old. the podcast. We could have been in the NFL. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, this is it. honestly, Sean. I'm just gonna go real quick. I'm gonna. I'm going to do some push-ups. And then, uh, yeah, there you go. I would, I live now eight one. minutes away from the commander's now commander's training facility. I, I think I can, uh, get out there, Connor. Walk I on. I can get out there. Yeah, I can pull <laughs> I the same as Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, 21 years old. I mean, remarkable. I mean, oh. what do you think, Sean? I am 6'7, about 245. I think I've got the measurables. Now, that 245 is, is very, very little muscle. But, uh, I think on paper, I got the measurables. What do you say? I, th- I think you can make it, man. I really do. <laughs> hey, you've been confused with Ryan Kerrigan multiple times, so that that's I have. A, uh, that's a good sign. That's yeah, a really good it is sign. a good sign. You know, I did. I was uh, I, I ran into him uh, the other day. Um, he's back in the area, so I love Ryan Kerrigan. Did he retire? Yeah, I don't think he's officially retired, but I know he signed that that one year deal with the Eagles. But oh, I love Ryan Kerrigan, and honestly, it yeah. is an honor to be mixed up with Ryan Kerrigan, which <laughs> I have on multiple occasions. And honestly, I, all I can say is keep doing it, folks. Makes me feel good. That's awesome. That's awesome. What do you got? Another one on All the right. list? Um, I'm actually going to combine two of them because um, they actually go hand in hand. And that is the all-in strategy. And then what does the next decade look like for the Rams? Mm. Um, I, Connor, you know this. I'm no expert in draft picks or any of this or how much money you have left and uh, cap, salary caps and all that stuff. All I know is that the Rams literally went on all-in this season to win the Super Bowl. And it worked. Yep. C- hooray. Congrats. However... What does that mean for the next decade? I is is seven years going to come down the line, and your draft picks are awful, and you have no money to get the next big player, and you're the bottom of the NFC West, and you can't attract any talent because you spend it all on the 2021 season. I I don't know. Maybe they are good um, over the next decade. Maybe they're not. Um, what I will say is. Although a lot of people like the all-in strategy because they won the Super Bowl and it worked and you got to give them credit for that, mm. just be cautious because there could be pain in the future if you're a Rams fan. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I, you know, I'm going to look up um, Rams expiring contracts because the list looks like the New Testament. Um, it is remarkable <laughs> how many expiring contracts they have. Um, they've got a, a cap issue this year. Um their cap situation is is not very good at all. Uh, I think as of right now, I'm, I'm pulling it up on Spot Track their current uh, salary cap situation, but it's not good. I mean, it's loading. Obviously, it takes takes a nice long while, which I, I absolutely adore. Um, their cap situation, uh, they're they're in the hole uh, right now. I believe I want to say here they're they're 2020. Yeah, they they had a 2021 rollover, a cap rollover, which you know sometimes. Is, you know, it's a lot of teams have it more than others. You know, the Skins, for example, or the Commanders had something like eight or nine mil rollover from last year. Um, but their estimated cap space as of right now, they're, they're like 13 or 14 mil in the hole. Um, so, you know, they they have so many expiring contracts um, that are coming up. Uh, I, I want to pull up their – yeah, I mean, I want to see their, their contract terms – here gosh i could get into a free fall on spot track. i can't do that on the podcast i was literally about to put the podcast away and just have some fun googling uh but no i'm not going to do that because i love you guys too much dude they don't have draft picks they've got a, a a expiring contract situation they've got a cap situation i mean yeah they they are in a little bit of a bind now look you've got matt stafford for a while right you have the quarterback to build around does aaron donald stay around for a couple more years if i were a betting man i'd, I'd have to say yes i think so um, 
I I do think that there is a path for them to clean up a little bit of the cap situation. Um, but I'm just going to say it now, and it's on the record, so it could come back and bite me. Uh, I think the Rams are in for a big step back this coming year. Um, I, I mm-hmm. do think this coming year they're in for a big step back. No draft yep. capital, no cap space, expiring contracts. I, I don't know what the next decade looks like. Could it be a situation where a year or two down the line you, you find a gem in the late round of the draft pick? and or, or round of, I, I don't know how, how these words are coming out of my face. They're they're not <laughs> making sense. So let's go ahead and try to, my world. try to figure this out real quick. I'm going to stop gather myself. I don't know if they <laughs> enter into the draft, find a sleeper pick, he becomes a producer. It ends up being cheap. Maybe maybe you find some young guys. Maybe your professional scouting department can find some free agents that are very impactful that you can get on the cheap. But you're not going to have the all-star, the studded lineup that you had this year. You're just not going to have it. The Von Millers are going to move back on. You know, Odell Beckham, you have to imagine, is, is probably going to move on. Uh, just these different contracts, these guys that you brought in all for this one year, they're going to leave. I don't know what this looks like, Shawnee. I, I don't know, yeah. but is it going to be enough to keep up with the Bills? Is it going to be enough to keep up with the Bengals if they had a couple couple more pieces? Is it going to be enough to keep up with the Chiefs if they're back at it? You know, what what if the Buccaneers find themselves their franchise quarterback or Tom Brady comes back and, and they find a couple more pieces? Who knows? But yeah, dude, the next few years aren't going to look very pretty uh, for the Rams. I think that's a really really good good point you brought up, and I think that's something we're going to be talking about for a little mm-hmm. while. And the other thing is, it, it can just if you get seven years without a Super Bowl, it's almost like you forget that that Super Bowl happened and yeah. it's just pain, you know? Yeah. It's like when the Patriots went 10 years between three Super Bowl championships over the course of five years prior. Yeah. And then you go 10 years without anything. It's like, well, I forgot what that feeling's like. Can we just win a darn Super Bowl? Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would just, I would, I would let people be cautious about the Rams going forward. Yeah. And I think people are, and I, I think it's probably safe that they are. Um, my number four, I think I'm down to four. Um, is when it matters most for the Rams, it, it they prove that their offense butter the bread, right? I think at the very end of that game where they're able to go down the field and score a touchdown, Cooper Cup with under two minutes to go finds the end zone for a second touchdown of the game. It just proves that this is an offensive league. And, and when it mattered most, when they needed it most, their stars showed up. And offensively, that's all that mattered. Because I think this game was swaying back and forth. You could feel momentum going from side to side throughout the game. But it was when the Rams got the ball left with a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter. And they had to put together an offensive drive. They did so in a fluent manner. They did so through the air. They did so where they were chewing up clock. And they eventually found the end zone. I think they proved to be the synopsis of football as we know it now. It's an offensive league. It's what it is. It, I mean, this it's all about offense. It's not 1999. You know, the way that Washington is constructed now with defensive linemen and linebackers and defensive edge rushers, that's not how successful teams are built. It's not how successful teams are built. Successful teams are built offensively. And the Rams did that, and they proved it by not only hosting the Lombardi Trophy and hoisting it. Look at me, using two words, adding just the I in there, and adding an I, creating two words, and and them both being relevant. Unbelievable by me, grammatically. But... Most importantly, that's the reason they were in the Super Bowl to start with, and it's the reason that they're all going to be wearing rings in a couple weeks here. Um, really, really impressive, and I think that offense is something that uh, they should be really, really uh, proud of. And I don't know. Hopefully they're able to, to 
recreate it or bring it back or, or keep it firing, but that that is what the rest of the league definitely strive to be there, Sean. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, you feel great about teams that are able to close the deal and don't um, don't choke at the end yep. um, when it matters most. Um, my second-to-last topic here, Connor, I know I'm a little bit ahead of you because I went two for one, um, and that's going to be about Sean McVay. Uh, again, similar to Aaron Donald and Tom Brady, all of a sudden there's this conversation he may be leaving football as a coach. Have you been hearing this, Connor? No, I have not, actually. You have not? Okay. There have been rumors that Sean McVay may be leaving coaching to focus on a family. Um, You know, again, here he is. He's at the highest point of his mountain. If he's going to do it at any point, maybe it's now. Maybe Sean McVay decides to retire. Maybe it's temporary retirement for the next five, ten years to have a family. I believe he's getting married to his longtime girlfriend um, coming up in the offseason here. Uh yeah, it, it was just, it started, you started to hear some uh, talk about it uh, a little bit uh, closer to the Super Bowl. Again, very similar to Tom Brady where there was nothing about it. You just thought he was going to keep on going and all of a sudden the, the rumors started coming out. So we'll definitely uh, be following that. I, I'll try to find some sources for you on it. No, um, if it I've makes you seeing it. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't mean to bring a host to your fire, but I, I was Googling that because I was like, oh my gosh. But apparently Veronica, I guess, Kaoman. oh my goodness, did I botch that name? We're just going to ignore I ever <laughs> said that. Uh, that is his fiance. She did post on her Instagram, apparently, with a picture of him pointing his finger at the screen with a glass of wine saying, no, he is not retiring. Okay. I don't know. So, th- so there are rumors out there. I think so. I think so. I had not heard I mean, them yeah, up to right he, now. If he's posting that, then there definitely are, which is what I saw. I did not see that picture. So maybe that's a good sign for the Rams. We will uh, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and and um, I think I think his uh, fiance, fun fact, went to George Mason, Shawnee, our uh, alma mater. Did she? Yeah. Go green and gold, baby. Patriots all the way. Um, that just had to be said. Let's see. I might see if I can combine. To, no, I can't combine two. Let me just go to number three here. I think conservative play calling killed the Bengals' final drive attempt. I'm going to say it's the number two reason it killed the final drive attempt. I do think, obviously, that offensive line just really struggled throughout the game, and it was was ever so present on that final drive. And Aaron Donald just took it over. But I thought conservative play calling, when they needed to go through the air, was really, really frustrating. I think that run attempt on a third and one with Samaj P. Ryan – was just the wrong call. Like it's just the wrong call that that's not how your offense rolls. It's not how it's done. Now, my brother had a big problem with the play call in and of itself, like spreading guys out and you know having having a shotgun handoff or you know get, getting your receivers out and tight ends spread out and just giving it to some IJP Ryan and trying to spread out the defense and, and and move the line of scrimmage. But I didn't have a problem with that because it's how their offense runs the ball in, in, in spread formations with Joe Mixon. But if you're going to do that, run it with Joe Mixon. Like, run it with a guy who's shifty and, and, and can kind of push the pile. Not, you know, not somebody like Samaj P. Ryan who I think when you need him, I think the, the funny saying of, you know, when you need him to get three yards, he'll get three yards. You know, when, when you need him to get six yards, you'll get three yards, right? Like, that's just kind of how Samaj P. Ryan is. Now, he played for Washington, so I, I saw plenty of that. Now, he's been a good running back. But I thought on a third and one to just give the ball – to Samaje Pirine to get swallowed up by Aaron Donald it was just a bad play call, and it just it was kind of synopsis of, of the frustrations that I have with with a lot of these play calling 
decisions by coaches who just decide not to utilize offensively their weapons. Like at the beginning of the game, the Rams are really trying to run the ball. It's like, dude, pass the ball. If Matt Stafford needs to throw this ball 55 times, let him throw it 55 times. Like that's how your offense moves. Like that is how the bread is buttered. You got T. Higgins. You've got Jamar Chase. You've got Joe Mixon out of the backfield. You had C.J. Uzoma. Like, you, you know, you've got guys everywhere, uh, all over the field offensively, that can make it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> like, we don't need to be giving this ball on a third and one where you need a first down to some IJP run. Now all of a sudden, he gets stuffed, and the entire ball game comes down to one play. And, of course, Aaron Donald defines that play. But I thought that was really conservative play calling. I thought it was really bad play calling. Do I think it's the reason they lost? No. But I thought that that was really, really disappointing play calling there um, by Zach Taylor. Uh, again, had a great year. He's had a fantastic year. But I just I don't like the conservative play calling when, you know, you're on a rhythm, your offense is moving the ball. At the end of the day, you needed 15 yards. Evan McPherson has been literally perfect this postseason. Like, just get 15 yards, dude. Like, just get 15 yards. If you throw an incomplete pass and it's – you know, you're, you're, you're down to, to fourth and one. The clock has stopped. That's fine. But, you know, burning a timeout and, you know, now being out of timeouts and fourth and one with the Super Bowl on the line, it's just way too much pressure to put on a single play. And it obviously didn't end up going the right way for the Bengals there. But I thought the conservative play call was frustrating. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And the only defense I have against that last – um, the last drive, the handoff was that they were having a lot of success running the ball. Um, the, the Bengals were, which was a little bit surprising. Um, well, not a lot of, but they were having enough success. Um, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I get it. But, yeah, but like I, I mean, said, I just, uh, you know, Sean, like I guess he said it at the time was if I'm going to lose, I, I'd rather lose on a Joe Burrow miss throw or a Jamar chase yeah. drop dropped pass or like just, just, you know, one of your star players just, not making a play like I, I would rather that be the case than feel like you left something on the table like that that's just kind of how how it is uh, you know in a shootout you know in a shootout in hockey if you're the capitals it's like uh, i'd rather miss with you know alex ovechkin from his office or you know you know in a three-on-three or, or in a shootout situation I'd, I'd rather miss with tj oshi than you know your your best you know penalty scorer than you know miss it with, you know, some other bottom of the line, you know, Brett Connolly. Like, you know, you, you don't want to do that. You know, you want to you want to yeah. go out with your your best weapons exhausted um, and give them an opportunity to make a play, which they were making all day. I just thought that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. You'd rather go down swinging for sure. Right. Um, My last point, just real quick, is this a hot take, Connor? The Bengals are going to have more promise in the future than the Rams. Yeah. No, that's not a hot take at all. I think I said, yeah, inferring that it was a hot take, but I'm going to correct that by saying, no, not at all. The, the, the Bengals are younger. I think the Bengals have better cap situation. I think the Bengals are a growing team. You've got the young quarterback who's going to be there for 15, you know, maybe 20 years. Who knows? Now, with this injury situation, maybe that's not the case at all. But you've, you've got all the pieces there. I think the Rams were built in such a unique way, and I think – the next few years are going to play out as to why you, you probably don't want to do the buy all in for one Super Bowl bit. Maybe I get proven wrong. But no, I think the Bengals are in a way better situation. I think going forward, yeah. they have the guys to build for years and years to come. Like Jamar Chase is a rookie. Joe Burrow will be going into his third year, and he's already seen a Super Bowl. He's sniffed a, a Lombardi trophy. 
So I don't think that's a hot take at all, Shani. Yeah, no, it's just uh, something I've thought about. Um, I, I, I really do feel that the the AFC is just going to be the better division in, in the coming mm-hmm. years, um, which is crazy to think about. And I, I do really do think a, the big part about that is going to be the Bengals are in it. And I, yep. I, I think it's going to really going to be them, Chiefs, Bills. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see who else. Maybe the Broncos get Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? Maybe they're in the mix. Um, Maybe. But, yeah, I just uh, they're definitely going to be probably a Super Bowl contender for years to come. Um, because of their offense and if they can clean up that line then they'll be in a lot better position yeah so that's it for me how many do you you got two left i got two more and i'll make them quick i'll, I'll go my first one and then my second one they're both they're both relatively short um my number two takeaway from the super bowl is the same thing i say every year sean and it kind of drives me crazy i want the nfl to come up with a better way for the trophy presentation and i don't know how you feel if it's the same way um, maybe you feel differently. I don't know. The trophy presentation is always a mess for me, and it's always super, super frustrating. There is way too much going on in the field after every game, but especially after the Super Bowl. Like, you have confetti everywhere. You've got players. you got families. You have media. You have PR guys. You have coaches. You have assistant coaches. You have equipment managers. There's cables there's reporters jousting each other to get shots. There's literally, literally, <laughs> literally men and women, both men and women, like small women getting pushed aside by other men to get fo- like photographs or talk to these athletes. It's, it's a mess. Like it, it's a total mess. Like you watch it and it's, it's a mess that, you, you know, these people are shoving microphones in athletes faces who are crying and their, their wives are there and their kids are there. And it's just, again, cables everywhere confetti everywhere there needs to be a more organized way of doing that because then the cut to the stage and it's mike Tarico and the commissioner with the owner and the players who aren't paying attention and they're trying to ask questions and guys are turning around hugging each other it's not to take away from the exciting moment from the players because they deserve that but right after you win the super bowl these guys are on an adrenaline high that you can't describe so they're distracted right they're distracted these guys are still panting they're still sweating they're crying their their emotions are everywhere but after the game shove a microphone in their face and give them a shirt and then give them a trophy and then ask them deep questions and some of them are dumb like ridiculously stupid questions like (laughs) i don't get that i think if you watch what european soccer do with trophies. I think if you watch what European soccer do, I think uh, the NBA do the same thing, which is frustrating. Uh, I I just think the trophy presentation has got to be more organized. I think you give these guys a half an hour. Really? I think you give them a half an hour after the game. And I know it's, it's a viewership thing. The second the game ends, people turn off the TV, but I think you give it a half an hour. You get them, you know, calm down, get get them in the fields. you, You have them experience their moment. And then I think you have both teams on the field. Like, you have an orderly line in which everyone's kind of uh, honored and respected, not just the MVP, the quarterback, and, and the tall retiring tackle. It's everybody is there. It's it's a part of everybody. But I think that that's a jumbled mess. I want to get your quick take on that because that always drives me crazy every year because it's just so disorganized. And I think a lot of the TV ends up being really cringeworthy. I think it – adds to kind of the excitement of the win if you have the media everywhere and the confetti and just the chaos because i right when he said the nba i thought about that and i'm like god it would 
I think it would be a little weird if an NBA court was just empty after a team won the championship. I don't think you know per se I mean? empty, I, but I, I, I think like, there there can be a third of the media members there. Okay, well, that's a good point. Last year during the Super Bowl, when Tampa won it, it was clear because of COVID, they didn't allow probably two-thirds or three-quarters yeah. or whatever it was. Credentialed media, media to be they there. They probably let in. What's that? Yeah, they, they only let, what, maybe a half or a third of the credentialed media be there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so it went by a lot smoother. Brady was still mobbed, but not by as many people. Players were able to see their wives or kids or whatever it was. Um, so I do understand that, but I also do think it kind of adds to the effect to show it kind of chaotic and everybody's very emotional and all that stuff. I, I do see the effect to doing that. Um, I don't know, man. I, I really haven't thought about that. I It, it, it has I, driven I, I, me crazy yeah. for years and years. Now, my, my dad is Irish and uh, my, my, my whole family's Irish. So they grew up watching Premier League soccer and rugby and the way that they do like the World Cup. If you watch the World Cup or you watch European soccer, you watch Six Nations rugby, the, even the losers, they get like medals, right? They come out. It's not this awkward, jumbled weird oh it's over now what i was saying to my 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 dad was he was like why are the other team not honored in any capacity and i went well it's kind of a funny not funny i mean it's funny looking back on it it's not funny at the time especially if it's your team you want to die but it's kind of a a, <laughs> a a really fun like dramatic effect when you see guys carrying their helmets walking off the field draped mm-hmm. in confetti the color of another team right and i was like yep. in the moment it looks ridiculous but two or three years down the line, when you get the dramatic shot of the losing quarterback walk into the locker room and he's pulling confetti and, and streamers of another team and their Super Bowl championship off of him, it's it's an unbelievably like powerful image. So I said, you know, that that's that's one aspect of it. But I just think optically it's a little bit of a seizure to watch, to be honest with you. It's just kind of like, whoa, this yeah. is way too much going on. Uh, and well, I think that they got to clean that up. Well, speaking of just that, the effect that it has, if you watch the end of the Stanley Cup finals, it's the the other team has to stay on the ice for those of you who aren't hockey fans, Mm -hmm. because every playoff series ends with a handshake line. Yeah, exactly. You have these teams, their season just ended. They've got their heads on their on their sticks looking downward. Total disappointment, sweating, still panting, and then. The other team's celebrating for maybe five minutes. They're all hugging. And then slowly but surely, they get in a line. They all do their handshakes. The other team, if they lost at home, they'll salute their fans. They'll do the, you know, the yeah, stick salute. Up the air. Yep. Yep. Um, and then they're off to the locker room. See, I like that because it really adds the effect. Baseball does the same thing yep. where the teams, right when they lose the World Series, you'll see the away team kind of just staring off at the team celebrating. I mean, not the away, the, the losing team staring off at the team celebrating um, on the field. And I, I really do like that effect because you get the, you know, the happiest of people and the saddest of people, yeah. um, which is, you know, really good television. But I, yeah. I understand what you're saying about the, the media frenzy. Yeah, the uh, optics of it is just yeah. disorganized. And I, I just, mm-hmm. and it's not to take away from the emotions of it because it's all it's all about the storylines right i mean that is that is what makes football football is just the the drama and the stories behind it but i just think it can be tidier i think it can be tidier and i think you get the same effect in premier league soccer Uh, you get the same effect in hockey uh and both of those are significantly more organized than the way that the the super bowl trophy is is presented each year i just i i just think it's kind of anticlimactic to be honest with you it kind of brings it kind of just just looks anticlimactic um, and I think it's a little bit of a mess. So I, I, I would hope that in the coming years, the NFL can kind of tidy that up a little bit, but that's kind of a little gripe. And then my last thing I wrote down here was just Aaron Donald's the best football player in the world. That's my last takeaway. 
Aaron Donald's the best football player in the world, and and it was it was shown in the Super Bowl. Um, he just you know I think one of the reasons I hated the Samaj P Ryan run the the first reason like I told you was. Um, you know, that's not how your offenses move. That's not how the Bengals got to the Super Bowl. It was not through Samaj P. Ryan. It was, it was through the passing game. It was through their best receivers and, and their, uh, you know, unbelievable elite quarterback. But the second reason I hated it was just you're rolling the dice against Aaron Donald. Like, and it's like this is the thing that, that happens. Superstars take over games when it matters most. Um, say what you want about LeBron James. I, he, he is very infuriating. Um as a person and an athlete, I, I love him and hate him at the same time. But LeBron James, when you need him most, and look back in history in the finals, like when you needed LeBron James to step up, he did. That's what Kobe Bryant did. That's what Tiger Woods does in golf. That's what these uh, Tom Brady has done in football year after year after year. When you need them to step up in big moments, they do. Um, and that's exactly what Aaron Donald did. Two plays in a row. Like single-handedly ended the Bengals' hopes um, and, and uh, kept the Lombardi Trophy in Los Angeles, which was uh, just so remarkable to see. So that's my big takeaway um, from the Super Bowl. I mean, that was 10 big takeaways that I thought were uh, really interesting, Shawnee. Um, I'm actually glad we did that. Uh, yeah, it was but good. a really fun Super Bowl and, and a really, really fun football year. I mean, this is a year now coming back from, from COVID, our first year uh, since, what, the 2019-2020 season that we've been able to, um, you know, fill up our stadiums again. Um do our football parties fully again and be able to be together. And uh, I just loved it. I just loved every bit of it. And it's the wrap up of our first football season officially as a podcast, which is in the books. Uh, we started this podcast last March and we're coming up on the year anniversary in, in a week or so, which I'm just so, so excited about. Um, but unbelievable Super Bowl, a great cap off to a fantastic year. And and again, football doesn't end my friends. It doesn't end uh, because we're marching right into free agency the combine, the draft, and, and all the great great things ahead that uh, everyone should be super, super excited about. But, um, Shawnee, am I missing anything? Is there anything else you wanted to chat about? I don't believe so, man. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah. first of all, thank you for uh, another great year, Shawnee, another football season in the books. We've uh, enjoyed these as friends and as fans for a while and now doing a podcast on it. It's, it's great to get year one in the books and can't wait for all the great years we have ahead. So, well done uh, as a producer and um, always love chatting football with you. So um, really excited about that. I, I hope you enjoyed the year, but uh, well done, my friend. Thank you. It was yeah, great. It was, uh, it was a really enjoyable football season. Really was. Despite despite the Bills game at the end. Screw the Bills. That's right. <laughs> yeah, well, you're going to enjoy those uh, that those Bills for the next 10 to 12 years. Uh, um, so enjoy that I'm all you want. I'm already dreading it. Yeah, well, enjoy that all you want, but um, – a lot, a lot is uh, is a lot of great things in store uh, in the coming months, and, and we'll keep you guys uh, up to date on everything. Shani, we are a couple days really away from baby countdown for me in the house, so um, I can I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do an episode next week. I, I can't promise it. So uh, if there is a delay, we'll obviously keep you updated. But you know, if there's a week or so where we don't have an episode coming up here, know that we are on baby watch here in the forest house. Um, I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am. And, um, it's, it's, you know, this next chapter in, in my life, me and Anna's life and our, in our family's life. Um, I, it's a dream come true beyond words. I'm, I'm so excited, but, uh, just to keep you guys up to date, that is we're we're, you know, in the single digit days now at this point. So, 
Um, there might be a delay in the podcast and, and we'll keep you updated, but, uh, you know, that there will be, uh, there will be updates when we get to jump back on the mic, um, about baby, the weight, the size, the name, all the good stuff, but, uh, so excited. So keep, keep us in your prayers, keep us in your thoughts, keep us in your good wishes, wherever you are on this uh, good planet earth. And, uh, we will be back hopefully next week. If not at least a week or so after that, within the next few weeks, uh, I'll get an episode back out to you guys, and, and we're going to get everything uh, everything caught up on. We're, we have plenty of topics to get to, and um, just super, super excited about that. But uh, for Shawnee Olette, for Connor Forrest, after further review, is in the books the 2021 season officially in the books. And uh, we're, uh, we're not quite looking back because we just have so much to get to. So thank you all so much for tuning in wherever you are. Continue to subscribe. Continue to like. Follow us on social medias. Uh, tell a friend we uh, love and appreciate you guys more than you know i mean it's it's nothing without our great listeners so um drop us a line again i I don't pitch this enough and it's really frustrating because i I continue to forget to pitch this but mailbag at connorforest.com is the email mailbag at connorforest.com connor with one n force with two r's send us a question send us an inquiry send us whatever you want and we're uh we're going to give you a shout out on the air uh, we'll answer your questions, uh, whatever it is, any feedback, uh, anything you got, uh, we will uh, we'll give you a shout. But drop us a line. We appreciate you all. We will hopefully see you next week. And as always, my friends, we'll catch you guys on the other side. Mm-hmm.